Now, if you're new with us, um, my name's Trent, one of the pastors on staff here, and we are in part two of a series called Breakthrough. And we're talking about something that all of us need in life at some point or another, because we all need a breakthrough. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your finances. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your career. Maybe you need a breakthrough in a relationship that's just feels stuck. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your relationship with God. Maybe you once had a great relationship with him, but, but that relationship just feels like it's in a stuck spot. Maybe it's reached a plateau. You're not sure how to get that relationship going again. Or maybe you look around at Christ followers who have a great relationship with God or seem to have a great relationship with God. And you look at that and, and maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm not a Christ follower, but I would love to have that. But I just can't seem to break through my doubts, the questions that I have. There's all kinds of ways that we could need a breakthrough in life. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you might need a breakthrough when you play a football game this afternoon. But I just got to say, some breakthroughs just aren't possible. So, you know, you just got to roll with that one. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you would say that either you or someone you know has needed or does need a breakthrough right now in their lives? All right, so a number of folks. And the cool thing about this series, I think, is it can help all of us Learn how to get those breakthroughs I think God wants to help us get through, even if you aren't a Christ follower. So what's really cool about that is if you apply the teachings of Jesus to your life, whether you believe in him or not, I believe you can experience an incredible breakthrough. So this series really is for everybody. Now, if you by chance weren't with us last week, let me just do a quick recap of what we learned last week, and then we'll dive into a little bit deeper discussion of what we're gonna talk about today and how to get breakthroughs. So one of the first things that we learned last week was this. We learned that everybody needs a breakthrough. Everybody needs help getting through something. Again, that applies to all of us. Doesn't matter who we are. Doesn't matter what education we have or don't have. Doesn't matter how much money we have or don't have. Doesn't matter how much of the Bible we know or don't know. Everybody at some point needs a breakthrough. Second thing we learn is that plateaus and obstacles, things that cause us to get stuck in life, can have a purpose. So they can have a purpose. They can help us to grow stronger, if we'll recognize that and if we'll continue to pursue God in the midst of that, it can teach us how to turn to God when we want to turn to other things. Plateaus can have a great purpose in our lives if we will just look for that purpose. Third thing we learned is that to get a true breakthrough in life, we need to turn to God. And this is real important because often we turn to wrong things and we turn to wrong people for the breakthroughs that we need. Sometimes we turn to wrong relationships thinking that relationship is gonna help me in this moment and, and yet later we realize that relationship has caused us to be stuck. We turn to our own resources. We turn to what we called the three Ps last week. We turn to power, we turn to position, we turn to possessions thinking those things are gonna help us and ultimately they can't. We've got to turn to God for the spiritual breakthrough that we need in life. And so last week, Jesus taught us how to do that. He taught us what to do when we get to a spot in life that we're stuck and we need a breakthrough. We saw that in Mark chapter nine, when Jesus' disciples ran into something that they couldn't do. So they had gotten stuck in their ministry 
and there's something they couldn't do. So Jesus comes along and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus says in Mark 9, 29, he says, the reason you couldn't do this is because this thing that you need to do requires much prayer and fasting, much prayer and fasting. So Jesus pointed to two ancient spiritual disciplines for when we get stuck in life, the discipline of prayer and the discipline of fasting. So if you've ever wanted to know more about prayer, then you came on a great day because today Jesus is gonna teach us how to pray. And if you've ever wanted to know more about fasting, you're probably the only person who's ever wanted to know more about fasting. You know, like fasting's not all that exciting of a, of a subject on the front end of it, but fasting is an amazing spiritual discipline if we actually learn how to do it. So Jesus is gonna teach us how to do that today. But we're gonna start with prayer. So the first part of our message today is gonna be about prayer. The second part's gonna be about fasting. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter six, if you wanna follow along in your Bible. So Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five, Jesus said this. Jesus said, when you pray, Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, As Jesus starts this, it might sound a little bit weird to us, you know, the whole concept of public street corner prayers. Um, It's not a real common thing for us unless you're from a big city and you're used to seeing somebody stand on a street corner with a bullhorn yelling at everybody, you know, hellfire and brimstone kind of stuff and, and maybe praying in that context. But for most of us, we don't see that very often. But in Jesus' culture, that was a very big deal. So public prayers were a really big deal. People prayed often because prayer and relationship with God was central to their lives. And so you would often see people praying in very public settings. But we got to know what Jesus is not saying here and what he is saying. So Jesus is not telling us here, don't pray in public. He's not saying that. You know, we we pray in public in a lot of settings that we pray here on Sundays. You may pray in a small group environment. You may pray at home with your family. So Jesus isn't saying don't don't pray public prayers. He's saying don't pray prideful prayers. Don't pray prideful public prayers where you're trying to get everybody's attention on you. If you do that, If you pray in such a way that you're just hoping people will think, wow, that person is so spiritual. Did you hear their prayer? Then that's the only reward that you will ever get. Now, this might sound a little bit weird, uh, but I used to struggle with being jealous of people who could pray really beautiful prayers. Anybody like in that category with me? Great, thanks for your honesty. So I would listen to people pray, especially in a church culture that I grew up in. Um, Prayer was a predominant thing. Uh, Public prayers were a predominant thing. It would not be uncommon for the pastor to look out in the uh, audience during the service and say, hey, Billy, would you pray for us real quick? And uh, then I'll roll on with, with what we're doing today. 
and Billy would stand up and pray a beautiful prayer. Aren't you glad I don't like call you out in the service like that? Like, wow. So that would happen on Sunday mornings. That could happen on Sunday night, Wednesday night. That could happen in a, a, a Sunday school class environment. And I would listen to people pray like that. And they prayed these beautiful prayerists like they spoketh with God himself. And it was amazing. And I would hear that and think like, I can't do that. I'll never be able to pray like that. I can't put poetic sentences together to save my life. I must sound like a bumbling idiot when I talk to God. Like, like I just could never pray like that. And the more I've grown in my relationship with God, the more I understand God doesn't focus on us praying poetic prayers. That's not the stuff that gets God's attention. What God cares about is plain prayers that come from a sincere heart. So if you've ever thought, you know, like, I can't pray like somebody else, and, you know, I'm shy to pray in public, I'm shy to pray around anybody, or I'm shy to pray, period, because God's just not going to be excited about the words that I put together, not so. God loves to hear humble, sincere, plain prayers. And if we pray like that, then God will hear us. And not only will God hear us, I think God will reward us. Then Jesus says in verse seven, he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, this is a real common mistake that uh, a lot of people make. Uh, We somehow think if I just find the perfect prayer out there and I pray that prayer word for word every time, then that'll get God's attention and that'll move him to action on my behalf. Now, I want you to imagine what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who says the exact same thing every time you speak to them. Isn't that exciting? And some of you might be in a relationship like that, and you know how far that relationship can go. Like, it can't go real far. And so Jesus says, do not do that. Don't come to God and say the exact same thing over and over and over every time thinking, I'm going to get brownie points with God, and God's going to love hearing what I have to say. He says, no, don't pray like that. Instead, verse 90 says, pray like this. And when Jesus says, pray like this, he's about to teach us how to pray. He's about to introduce us to the most famous prayer ever, the Lord's prayer. And we got to know, Jesus says, don't pray these exact words all the time. Pray like this, pray in this manner. So we're going to bring up that prayer, Lord's prayer on a video on the screen. I want you to spend just a few moments watching that. And the interesting thing about this prayer is even if you aren't a Christ follower, there's a really good chance you've heard this prayer at some point in your life. So let's watch this together. So there we have the Lord's prayer. I'm going to go over the basic elements of this. And today, again, is going to be basic. Later this year, we're going to do a whole series around this prayer and how Jesus modeled it for us and how we can incorporate it more in our lives. But today, we'll do a basic overview of that. And as we begin in this, you'll notice that Jesus started in a very controversial way. But we may not notice it. We may not pick that up as being very controversial. But for Jesus' audience... The way he started would have been controversial because he said, our father. So he addressed God in heaven 
as a father. And for Jesus' audience, the original Jews, as they're listening to Jesus teach about this, they would have said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, we never approach God that way. That would be very disrespectful. That would be way too personal. We would never do that. But Jesus says, you can approach God as father. He's a personal God and he wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And maybe you've never thought about God that way before. Maybe you've never thought about him being a personal God, but he's a very personal God and he wants a personal relationship with you if you don't already have that. So Jesus says, talk to God as a father. And then he says, may your name be kept holy. Now what Jesus is referring to here is what we talked about in our Christmas series, the awe and respect that we should have for God because of who our father is. This is God and he is holy and we can have a personal relationship with this God. So we should come to him with all awe and respect that we can muster. And you know, the, a small example for me in my personal life is I remember as a kid, looking up to my dad. And my dad was a, a great athlete, a great scholar, a great leader, a, a, a great father, a great spiritual leader. And I looked up to my dad in so many ways, but I can remember as, as a little kid looking up to my dad and, and watching him and being like, my dad is awesome. I got like the best dad ever. And you may or may not feel that about your dad, but the cool thing is we can feel that way about our heavenly father. And we should have a lot of awe and respect for who he is. So Jesus says, you can come to him as a father and always remember who this father is. And then in verse 10, he prays, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you may have noticed in life, there are a lot of wills out there, right? Uh, there is the will of your boss at work. There's the will of your spouse at home. Maybe there's the will of your parents. Maybe there's the will of your kids. There's the will of all kinds of people around us. And I'll just kind of personalize it for, for me in my world. There's God's will and there's my will. And has anybody ever had a problem with those two things? Like, I have a problem with that all the time because God doesn't always want to do what I want him to do. Um, And so Jesus comes along and says, hey, let me remind you that God is sovereign over everything in heaven and on earth. And your job is to fulfill his will on earth, not to focus on your will, but to focus on God, the father's will. That is the epic battle for all of us, fulfilling what God wants done on this earth. Well, Jesus says, hey, that's your job. Focus on that. That's the first part of Jesus' prayer. And I know it's a real basic overview, but we're about to shift into the second part. And I want you to notice there's a difference between these two parts. So in the first part, what Jesus does is he focuses on God. And then the second part, he transitions to personal issues. And he doesn't start his prayer the way that I often start my prayers. So here's how I often talk to God. God, thanks for today. I hope it's a great day. Got a lot of things I'd like you to do today. So if you could hurry up and get them done by lunch, that would be great. And that's often how I engage God. And Jesus says, don't do that. He says, when you come to God, focus on him and who he is. Spend some time focusing on uh, how awesome 
he is, that we can have a personal relationship with him, focus on his will being done before you vomit your laundry list of all the things that you want done in life. And often I get that backwards. Jesus says, focus on God first. And then there's nothing wrong with focusing on personal needs. You have personal needs. And who better to bring our needs to than God? He's the one that we should talk to about our needs. So Jesus says in verse 11, after we focus on God, he says, give us today the food that we need. So Jesus knows we have very legitimate needs and we need to bring those needs to God. But I'm willing to bet that many of us here have never prayed that prayer specifically the way that Jesus just modeled it. I'm I'm willing to bet that most of us have not prayed for our daily food. And there may be some of us that have had that experience in life. Maybe you know what it's like to to go without food because you, you just didn't have it. Um, That's not a super common experience for a lot of people in the United States, but it is a super common experience for people around the world. Uh, We saw that last summer when we were in Ukraine. We see that every summer when we send teams to Guatemala. We've got two teams going to Guatemala this summer, and we'll see that again. We'll see people praying, God, would you just give me enough food for today? Would you just give me and my kids enough food for today? Again, we can't always relate to that. Sometimes we can, but not always. But this is where we need to talk to God about our needs. So what are your needs? What are your needs? What do you need in your life? God's not opposed to you talking to him about those needs. This is an opportunity to say, God, here's what I I need or here's what I think I need in my life. And if you need a breakthrough, that's the spot. God, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need a breakthrough in my emotions. I need a breakthrough in my relationship with somebody that just feels stuck. I need a breakthrough in my relationship with you. I need a breakthrough. So Jesus isn't opposed to us talking to God about our needs. Listen to how the apostle Paul expounds on what Jesus said. In in Philippians chapter four, verse six, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Anybody have a problem with worry? in your life like you worry a little too much. All right, so if you worry, you can turn that into prayer. It's a really cool thing. So it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So that moment you're tempted to worry, it's an opportunity to pray. So turn it into a moment of prayer. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So We should bring our needs to the one and only God who can meet those needs. And and sometimes we spend more time thinking about our needs being met instead of talking to God about those things. And my wonderful wife often reminds me of that. So I'll be talking about something and, and she'll say, are you worrying about that thing? I'm like, I'm a pastor. I don't worry about stuff. Yeah, I'm worried about that thing. And then she'll say, did you pray about it? I'm a pastor. I pray sometimes. So yeah, there are moments that like, I don't reach for prayer first. There are moments that I worry first and we need to be reminded, Hey, we need to go to God and we need to pray to him. Don't like give God the script. Here's what I want you to do and how you want, I want you to do it. Now go God. That's great. No, we need to talk to God and say, God, this is what I think I need, but I'm going to thank you for what you've done. I'm going to thank you for how you're going to work in this scenario, how you're going to work in my life. So we've got to learn how to bring our needs to God. 
Verse 12, Jesus says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now this gets like real um, personal here. This is the moment where Jesus says, hey, take a look inside, examine your own life. Is there anything in your life keeping you from a deeper relationship with God? Is there anything going on that's holding you back that, that maybe that's the thing that's got you stuck? Is there anything you need to confess? Is there any sin issue you need to bring to God and say, God, like I need your forgiveness in this area. If there is, we need to address that thing. If we don't, we can't expect a breakthrough. We can't expect God to, to show up in a supernatural way in our life and help us break through things when we've got this thing we're holding on to and we're saying, I'm not letting go. I'm not gonna let go of this issue. So is there anything in our lives that we need to say, God, would you forgive me? And then there's an extra part to that sentence. Like I have forgiven other people. Whoa. How would you like God to forgive you the way that you forgive people who hurt you? Some of us are like, oh, no thanks. Like that might not be all that great because some of us really struggle with forgiving other people. And so Jesus says, like, hey, we need to be forgiving other people and we need to be coming to God and saying, God, would you forgive me the way that I go out and I, I'm trying to forgive other people in my life. Verse 13, Jesus prayed, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, the evil one is a reference to a being called Satan. And I'm not sure what you believe about Satan. There's all kinds of beliefs out there about him. Some people believe that he is really real and he's hiding around every corner. Some people believe he's just a made up Halloween character who you know, runs around with a pitchfork, kind of poking people. Um, so I don't know exactly what you believe about Satan, um, but Jesus believed in him. And Jesus believed in his real ability to tempt us away from God and doing what God once in our lives. And every year that we do our fast and we do our prayer time, I talk to people. I was talking to people last week about this. Every year, somebody says, you know, we started fasting. I started praying more. And then all of a sudden, my life felt like it was falling apart. It got so hard. I had work problems, relationship problems, temptation problems. I had stuff that I, had, I thought I dealt with a long time ago. Come back into my life and, and, and try to tempt me away from God or something I had to deal with again. And life just got hard. Does anybody find that true? When you try to focus on God, when you try to fast, when you try to pray, you try to get closer to him, life gets harder. Anybody ever experienced that? Yep. If you haven't, guess what? It's super exciting. You might. You might as we engage this fast, but what that is evidence of, of the evil one and his work in our lives. Anytime God shows up and says, listen, I've got something great for you, or anytime we show up and say, God, like I want to grow my relationship with you, the enemy shows up at the exact same time to distract us and discourage us. If he can discourage us, and we'll say, man, like I was trying to follow God, but all of a sudden it got harder. I guess I shouldn't be doing this. I'm not gonna do something that's gonna be really hard in my life. And we'll walk away from some of the most important things that help us grow in our relationship with God. Or we'll get distracted. And we'll get distracted by 
our intentions and deceived by our intentions. So we like shiny things. So we're focused on growing our relationship with God and a shiny thing shows up over here and then, wow, like, what is that? That looks fantastic. I'll get back to that later, but this right now is super fun and fulfilling. It's gonna help me break through this thing in my life. This is gonna be awesome. And it leads to a dead end and later we go, oh, I should have been over there. Oh, okay, let me go back over here. Wow, okay, so God, I wanna grow my relationship with you. Shiny thing. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Look at that, that is so great. If we're distracted, we'll be deceived by our intentions and our intentions will say, but I wanna grow my relationship with God, but we continue to be distracted by the tricks and strategies of the devil. So I believe he's a real being and he's really active in our world and we've gotta learn what his strategies are and how he works and we've gotta fight against those strategies. Now, verse 16 Jesus shifts from talking about prayer and he's gonna start up talking about fasting. So if you're new to fasting, this is what biblical fasting is. It is the spiritual discipline of giving up something physical and it's usually related to food, usually. Not always in scripture, but most times it's related to food. So giving up something physical to get something spiritual. And if you're thinking like, why would anybody give up food in any way at any time? That just sounds crazy. We do that when we get to a spot where we're stuck in life. We do that to grow a deeper relationship with God. We do that when we're in those moments of desperation and we're saying, God, I need you to work in my life right now. So people who are desperate, people who need a breakthrough, often get to that spot where they say, I am willing to do something that seems crazy to everybody else, even crazy to me at times, and set something aside so I can get something even better. Like I mentioned last week, there's many different ways to fast. We can fast from food, we can fast coffee, we can fast alcohol, we can fast technology, we can fast TV, we can fast social media. There's all kinds of ways that we can fast. And again, like I mentioned, most biblical fasts involve food of some nature. So I encourage everyone, as we're about to walk through our fast, it starts tomorrow. We're gonna fast for two weeks. And what I encourage you to do is find at least one food item that you're gonna be fasting from. And, and again, not broccoli, okay? So don't be fasting broccoli unless you're like a broccoli fan. Like you love broccoli. Every meal you have broccoli, then maybe you can fast broccoli. But it should be something that's a big deal in our lives. If it's a big deal to us, it'll be a big deal to God. If it's not a big deal to us, it won't be a big deal to God. And there's many ways that we can walk through a food fast. We can give up all food and just drink liquids. There are a number of people that have done that through the years. We can eat only fruits and vegetables. We can eat certain uh, kinds of food or give up certain kinds of food like desserts or meat or carbs. We can fast one meal a day. We can fast one day a week. Again, there are many ways to do that. And whatever we choose to fast from, it needs to be a big deal in our lives. Now, in verse 16, Jesus said this about fasting. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair. I'm not exactly sure how to do that in my situation, but I, I, like, I try comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. 
So just like we can fast with or pray with the wrong motives, we can fast with the wrong motives. And Jesus says, don't fast with those motives. Don't fast in a way to get attention. Like, don't show up at work looking like death warmed over and, you know, hoping that people at work will ask you why you look so bad so you can talk about your fast. Hey, I noticed, like, you look, like, really bad today. Like, what's going on? Well, I'm, uh, I'm fasting. And so, you know, I haven't eaten food in, like, you know, like two hours. I'm like, it's really, it's been really rough. So would you pray for me? So Jesus says, don't fast like that. Act like nothing's wrong in your life. And Jesus is not saying, just like he wasn't saying we're talking about praying, he's not saying keep your fast a secret. Someone says, hey, are you fasting? No, I'm not fasting. You just lied. Yeah, you're fasting. So it's, it's okay to talk about that if somebody asked you about that. The Israelites fasted together as a nation on many of occasions. We are fasting as a church. Keep it secret from each other. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying don't go running around trying to get attention as you fast. Let's say, hey, look at me. It's not about us. It's about God. So we're not focusing on what we're doing. We're focusing on what God is doing in us and through us. And as we do that, as we learn to fast with right motives, there are some amazing things that we can learn. So here's just a few of them. First thing is we can learn what's really important in our lives. You know, if you want to know whether something's really important in your life, give it up for a few weeks. You'll find out. That thing might be pulling on you a lot. And sometimes um, as we fast, we realize, you know what, that thing that I thought was so important, it's not all that important. Another thing we can learn is how to build spiritual endurance and self-control and patience. I hate that word, but patience can come as we learn self-control, self-discipline. We can learn how to say no to selfish desires and yes to godly desires. You know, I've got cravings in my body. We all do. You know, our, our bodies tell us, man, you got to have that. You got to do that. And God comes along and says, and that's not true. So you're in control of your body. Tell your body to behave. Tell your body to stop that. Calm down. You're not going to die if you miss a meal. So just calm down. So we can learn some great spiritual stuff as we uh, engage fasting and prayer. Another thing we can learn is what has more control in our lives than we realize. And every time I fast, so every time we go through this at the beginning of the year, I am reminded again how much my world revolves around food. And it's amazing to me. If you would ask me, like, hey, is a food big deal in your life? I'd say, you know, I like to eat three times a day, but I don't know that it's all that big of a deal. Well, then I go through the fast, and, and I'm giving up food in, in certain amounts, and I find that I think about food all the time. And the only time I watch TV is when they're showing food commercials. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like food again? So I wake up thinking about food. I go through all, the whole day thinking about food. I go to sleep thinking about food. I dream about food at night. Like I, I wake up chewing on my pillow. And I'm like, what in the world? That tastes terrible. Like my world revolves around food. And I found that I love food. I love to eat. I love to eat when I'm hungry. I love to eat when I'm bored. I love to eat when I'm not hungry. There's moments I'm eating and I'm going, man, this tastes good, but I'm not hungry, but this is great. I'm going to keep on eating it. And fasting can help us understand how much something has control in our lives. And again, if you want to find out if something has a big control or a big grasp in your life, give it up for a couple of weeks and you'll find out 
whether that thing is a big deal to you or not. Another thing that fasting can teach us is how to pursue God. And I think this is really cool. And why we need to give up something big in our lives. If it's not a big deal in our lives, it's not going to push us towards God. But if it is a big deal, every time we're tempted towards that thing, that's an opportunity to be pushed towards God. So when I feel those hunger pains, I'm like, I'm hungry. I want to go stand in front of the fridge and hopefully through osmosis, I'll feel better. If I will take uh, the leverage that that thing has in my life and allow it to push me to God and say, God, like I'm hungry for that, but I need to be hungrier for you. I want to pursue food, but I need to pursue you more then we can learn how to grow our relationship with God and turn to him in moments when we're tempted not to. So there can be some amazing things that we can learn through fasting and prayer. So I invite everyone to explore the ancient spiritual disciplines of fasting and prayer. And we've got an amazing opportunity for you starting tomorrow. And you might say, I'm new to Epic. Like, I'm not so sure that I'm ready for that. Well, you can be ready for that. We've got some, some ways to, to get you ready for that through our fasting preparation guide that you can get through our connection center. And you might say, well, I'm a little bit nervous about talking to God. Like, I don't really know how to do that. Not so. Jesus just taught us how to. So we just got to practice. We got to practice talking to God, saying, God, I want to focus on you and who you are and, and letting your will be done in my life and confessing the things that I need and telling you about my needs and, and asking you to, to keep me safe from the evil one. So we just all have to practice in how we pray. So to help you with that, on the back of our spiritual growth challenge, we have a fasting and prayer guide. So it goes through six days of this next week and it breaks this prayer apart and gives some suggested Bible readings, plans, and even some suggested prayers, not to use as word for word, but as a model, as an example of how to talk to God. So you can pick that up at our Connection Center before you leave. Another thing I encourage you to grab before you leave is our fasting preparation guide. Again, that's at our Connection Center, and this guide can help you. If you're new to fasting, it can help you get ready, even if getting ready means getting ready tomorrow. Now, last week, we handed out to everybody this little card, and there should be a card on your seat just like that. If you didn't bring it back from last week, then grab this card for just a second. It says, Breakthrough 2018 Fast on one side, and then the other side, it says, it's got two questions. It says, what are you fasting for? So what's that thing you need a breakthrough from? And then it says, what are you fasting from? And are you willing to give something up in your life that's a big deal to see God bring a breakthrough for you and, and maybe a breakthrough for somebody else in your life. So our worship team's about to come out and close us in a final song. And as they do that, I encourage you, if you didn't fill this out last week and you didn't bring it back, then I encourage you to fill it out now during this song. At the end of the song, slip it into one of our giving boxes and then our elders and our prayer team will get these cards this week and we're gonna start praying for you every day during this fast. So somebody on our elder team, somebody on our prayer team is going to be praying for you specifically. If you want us to pray for you by name, put your name on it. If, if you don't care about that, doesn't matter. Your name does not need to be on this. So during this song, fill that out, and then our elders will get that. Now, next week, what we're going to focus on is how to hear from God, because sometimes the breakthrough we need is dependent upon God speaking to us. 
And often we say like, the, the breakthrough I need comes from God. So until I learn to hear what God's saying, I'm not sure how to get this breakthrough. So we're going to talk about how can we learn to hear from God. So if you're in that spot or you know somebody in that spot who needs to hear from God, come next week for that. So if you would, let's pray together. And we start our fast tomorrow. It'll run to the 28th. And on the 28th, we will break our fast with communion. So that'll be a real special time together. So let's pray as our fast begins tomorrow. So God, super um, grateful for all the truth that you give us in scripture. And uh, Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for the truth, Jesus, that you walk through today and teaching us how to pray and how to fast. And often we don't know how to do those things well. And so Lord, again, it's not about us repeating words and trying to get your attention. It's about us learning how to pray the way that you taught us. So Lord, there's people here today that are taking a big step. Like maybe they've never talked to you before or maybe they haven't talked to you in a long time. And Lord, we all need to learn how to speak to you at deeper levels. So teach us about that, I pray, throughout this series. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us through the spiritual discipline of fasting Lord, I pray that as we give up something physical, we truly would get something from you that is spiritual, something that is eternal. And Lord, you tell us here what Jesus said, that you will reward us. You reward us when we pray and when we fast with right motives. So God, I believe that sometimes that reward is a breakthrough. And there are many people here today that need breakthroughs. So Lord, we're beginning our fast. We want to focus on you and not us. Teach us how to do that. Give us the faith that we need. Give us the answers for what we should fast for, what we should fast from. And Lord, I pray that we would hear you in supernatural ways, in ways that maybe we've not heard you before through this fast. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen.